East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, everybody. Welcome to East-West Draftcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Greg. And in John Lalamon's kitchen podcasting studio, your other host, Mr. Jeffrey Thomas. Hello, everybody. I'm on the West Coast, Best Coast. It's the West West Draftcast. Jeff is back for the holidays. Sadly leaving before New Year's Eve. That's <laughs> sad but true. Sad but true. Um, we're coming to you with a quick podcast today. We don't have a whole lot to say. We just finished up a, a chaos draft or grab bag draft, if uh, you'd rather call it that. Who calls and, it that? Um, some people. Never heard that. Really? Never. They call it the grab bag. Um, there's a <laughs> whole host of characters around the kitchen, uh, so you might hear some noise, some nonsense. Uh, there's, a, there's a dog that might bark a little bit, but uh, we're talking New Year's resolutions as they pertain to Magic the Gathering today, and we're going to interview all of our friends here and ask them what their magic resolution is for 2014. And Jeff, do you want to go with yours first, or do you want to wrap up with our own? No, let's start with ours. Okay. Do you want to go first? Yes, I do. I have some important things to say. I, I don't really have major resolutions that I want to change in my Magic game, except I do want to play a little bit more. But the major things for me are that I want to, one, play more live Magic. I play almost all my Magic online now because... It just takes so much less time and I don't have to bother with stores and what have you. Um, and I play like in a pre-release and that's it, every set that comes out and then the rest is online. So I want to play more live magic. It's definitely way better and I just, I'm tired of playing everything online and I think that's why I play a lot less than I do, than I used to. So I want to play more live magic. That's my number one resolution. It's a good one. But I have others as well, or and another. My other resolution is that I want to take some time to build a better cube. Ooh. And I know that like we've me me and Spencer and, and Greg and Russ have tried over the course of a few years to like make some tweaks here and there. But I think we really haven't ever tried to go at the core of our cube and figure out, like, how it really should play out in the archetypes and things like that and get get down to the business of, like, creating a real format. Football's on in the background. <laughs> creating a real format. And I... Yeah, because I think that our cube is good. I just think it could be better, and I'd like to spend some time to try and make it that way. Yeah, the cube could use some work. It's definitely got it's it's too much just good cards, X, Y, and Z best cards in Magic, and there aren't really as many specific archetypes that are supported. That's a, that's a good resolution. I'm down with that one. Yeah, I think I think so. I think I want to also steer us. We've been steering in the direction of combo in our cube lately, and I want to steer us a little bit away from that. Put a little, little bit more emphasis on normal magic, as you might call it. Yeah, you know I'm in for that. Yeah. 
So, those are my resolutions. Yeah, I especially, I mean, also in terms of the live playing, that also includes, I want to be at more GPs. Um, I, I, so, <laughs> that was my wife. We don't have any money. That is true. And that is a problem. I have to make more money. That's part of my magic resolution. But, uh, yeah, I want to play in more GPs because currently it's like a one a year thing for me and, and I want it to be more than that because those are the best, best times for me, I think. So. The segue is pretty well into one of mine, which is to get back to the Pro Tour. I made it this year for the first time in my life. I'm somewhat of an old geezer when it comes to magic and I don't know, it really kind of lit a fire under my ass and I've been wanting to get back on the tour. But I think part of the problem is that it, it just coincided with a year where, like, my life changed in some significant ways, and I got a lot busier with work and with um, just a bunch of other stuff going on, and I stopped playing as much in general. And so while I, I know that, like, the goal of getting back on the Pro Tour is definitely a lofty one, I guess what my real resolution is is to play more and to give myself the opportunity to make it back. Play more GPs, play some PTQs, maybe play some formats that I'm not, used to playing, like kind of dip my toes into Constructed a little bit more to increase my chances. But with that said, it's going to be hard to find that time, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but that's that's my big one. Um, yeah, play more with the with the goal of getting back on the tour. Do you think you'll play in Constructed PTQs or GPs for that matter? Maybe. Uh, probably not GPs unless they're close. Like, if there was one in San Francisco or something, I'd probably go to that. Um, don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we played in the modern GP last year. Portland. Yeah, we played GP Portland, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Modern's a cool format. I would play more of that. But standard, uh, I don't know. I'm not a not a big fan. And as far as other resolutions go, I don't know. Getting back on the the podcasting regular schedule was a big one. Like we kind of started that now, but mm-hmm. one of my resolutions is to continue with that to keep pumping out. As close to a weekly podcast as possible. Um, sometimes life gets in the way, but yeah, I mean, this month was—it's a busy month, so yeah, the holidays are tough. I have a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do this month that just didn't happen, magic yeah. and otherwise. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I recorded one draft video that I'm gonna post. What draft one? A cube. Cube it was Ooh. sweet. It was a combo deck. It's... Say, say no more. Let yeah. them watch the video. <laughs> All right. Hey, Johnny. Yeah. You want to jump in here? I do. Mr. John Lollamon is going to join us here, the host of our, our annual Christmas Chaos Draft, or New Year's Chaos Draft. I don't know what you want to call it, but thanks for hosting, first of all. Happy you guys are here. This is a lot of fun. Well, welcome. And uh, do you have a, a, re- a resolution for the new year? I do, and that is to finish in the money at a GP. Well, that's a good one. So I made day two, which was exciting. That was the modern, modern format in Portland, but... Yeah, get a little cash, a little something to show for all this uh, work and hours. And so that means top sixty-four, is that right? Or I think that's what it is now. Yeah, they changed it. Some some GPs, if they have enough attendance, it goes. They'll pay out lower than that too. I think. Okay. It was all like top sixty-four was always how it used to be, or maybe it was top thirty-two. I can't remember. I have no idea. But yeah, that's a lofty goal. But I don't know if you guys uh, have this problem, but I tell people, they go, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to a GP, playing some cards. And they're like, how long have you been doing that? Oh, a few years now, more than a few. (laughs) And they're like, well, what have you got to show for it? Well, I have a lot of fun playing, (laughs) and the competition is great. 
But uh, oh, it'd be nice to have something like a little trophy, a little something to show for it, you know? Get yeah. the money. A little check. Exactly. You've got like a Scrooge McDuck vault full of cards that you go swimming through like, every weekend. There's a lot. Yeah. They start to pile up. <laughs> that yeah. Is true. So cash, cash money would be good. Use that for the next GP. Gonna do um, Sacramento coming up and then Philadelphia later. Yeah, those are the next two on the schedule for us. Those are both limited, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that Portland is team That's limited. Team. And I definitely want to go to that one, too. Yeah, that'd be great. If I'm living on the West Coast, I do. I don't know if that's going to be happening. But what, you, what month is that? I don't. I think it's in the summertime sometime. Yeah, I have to check the schedules. There's later. even a chance I could be living like an hour away from Portland. All right. Stay in your house. <laughs> yeah, we're totally crashing there. It's a possibility. A very small possibility. Wouldn't you have to change the name? Oh. Yeah, we've discussed this. If uh, Jeff moves out here, I'm just going to have to move to Florida. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That <laughs> we can have our house. I mean, you can move to a different eastern place. It's not specifically Florida. Scotty too honey. I could move. Where else is... I guess Florida would probably be at the low end of the totem pole as far as yeah, excellent I, places to move well, to. On the east I probably coast. wouldn't move to West Virginia. Why not? Because it's awful. Oh, sorry. We just lost all of our West Virginia <laughs> listeners. The state is awful. It's beautiful there. And no. there's a National Science Foundation place out there. Most of our listeners are big National Science Foundation people. I mean, magic cards, nerdery, science fair. Oh, here comes the other brother, McDonald, stumbling in hey. from the living room. How's it going, Jason? It's going well. Welcome back. Thank you. Do you have a... New Year's resolution for the Magic 2014 year. Uh, after today's um, draft, draft, I will I will say that reading signals is my resolution. <laughs> I should read signals. So what happened today? Uh, today I stuck with red, even though I knew you were in it. <laughs> and I, I was to his right, and uh, I had no really good red cards. I had like a couple of decent red cards that I early picked. And it made me want to stay in red for some reason that I can't fathom. And should have been looking at the white cards that were coming my way the whole time instead of passing them right to Paul. <laughs> That's all right. I took some of those white cards too. So I was okay with it. Yeah. Reading signals, that's a good one. That's a tough skill to learn, I think. It's tough to figure out when the signals are real and when they're just circumstantial. Like... Because you get into a place where maybe you're four or five picks deep, you have maybe two or three cards in a color that are decent or good, and you stop seeing them in, in a couple picks, and it might not necessarily mean that the color is completely cut. It might just mean that the pack's open that way, you know? And so it's hard to know when you really need to switch, um, but keeping an eye on it, and making sure that it happens by mid-pack one if it needs to. That's, I mean, that's what you got to do. And it's tough to do, but I don't know. You just got to pay attention. And, uh, and yeah, I think that for this chaos draft, what you were telling me, another resolution should be that you shouldn't pass any cards that you have no idea what they do. Same for Greg. <laughs> Greg passed a sweet removal spell and had no idea it was a removal spell. Yeah, I looked at a card. And, I mean, there was a card in the pack that I really wanted and I knew I was probably going to take when I looked through it. And it was a card I was familiar with, which was a Lava Zombie out of, was that Plane Shift? Or? Plane Shift, yeah. And uh, there was a removal spell in there that 
was not only a removal spell, but like a solid two for one. Mm-hmm. It probably, I don't know if it would have been better than the, uh, what's, what's the name of the card? Do you remember? Some lava something. <laughs> Some lava something. Here, I'm going to go grab it, but, um, but yeah, so the, the card that Greg took over it was Lava Zombie, which is a, a black red card that, you know, it was synergistic in his deck because he had a lot of come into play abilities and Lava Zombie, um, kind of rebuys those. Uh, but, I mean, given, I mean, it was definitely a choice if he had seen the other card and noticed and some, what choice that he maybe should have. The card in question was a Magma Burst, which is three in a red, uh, instant. Magma Burst deals three damage to target creature or player, but it has Kicker sacrifice two lands, and if you pay the Kicker, Magma Burst deals three damage to another target creature or player. So, just a solid double uh, lightning yeah. bolt. Yeah, double lightning bolt for four mana and two mountains. That's pretty good in a grab bag format, especially because two for ones tend to be really hard to find. Yeah, for sure. And what I'd like to know is why that's not in my deck either. <laughs> because either I pass, I don't know what... Because you look at this card and it looks like land destruction, does it not? Like, look yeah. at the art of this card. Because I was red. red. The red was the what I was... Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It got to me. Which was all the way around the table. <laughs> but, hey, whatever. Russell Smith, the other brother from right, Russell, another mother. You have different moms? Well, I mean, then these two. Oh. Okay. Yeah, your your last name isn't McDonald, so you're the. Um, I'm gonna change it when I get married. I'm gonna change my last name to McDonald, and I'm gonna. <laughs> and my first name is gonna start with a J. Jerussell. Jerussell. It's like Russell. Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell McDonald. Oh, that sounds pretty good. That's a name right there. I mean, uh, all right, Russ. Magic New Year's resolution. Does it just it is it related to magic or is it New Year's resolution on a magic podcast? No, no, it's related, related to magic. magic. Uh, day two with GP. That's a good resolution. You know, I got Sacramento. Pretty similar to John, but he's he's shooting a little bit higher than you. John's got a top eight at GP. Is that what it is? No, he wants to pinch in the money. Okay, I just want day two. Well, Greg wants to win one, so. Well, that's okay. I mean, (laughs) top four. Come on, top four. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be great. I mean, the other thing too is, I mean, next year I didn't get to play in PTQ season this year where when it was sealed, but winning a PTQ or even top eighting a PTQ. You got close recently. I did. Online. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. So, yeah. Just just something where it's, you know, a little more than winning the Tuesday night draft or... Uh, Doesn't do it for you. Anymore. Doing Going six and three on your bubble match every time at a GP lately, so... What do you yeah. think What do you think it's going to take for that to happen? Uh, opening up... I mean, we pretty much play limited, so just opening up a solid pool. And obviously no play mistake. That's... Always what, you know, I think we always talk about it, just playing flawless magic and making sure that you're making the right play and thinking about it. Do you think there's a certain aspect of your gameplay that needs improvement at all? Uh, I'm asking you to be very self-reflective right now. I mean, if you look at me, I'm perfect at playing. It's just enunciating <laughs> cards <laughs> yeah, just and, and, know, and knowing what they do. Knowing what they do? Oh, okay, that's... You have to work on that. Yeah, yeah, I think your resolution should really be like understanding how to speak English, <laughs> yeah. or the names of cards. At least. Yeah, I mean, there was really from the Modern Masters uh, GP in Vegas. There was only really one mistake I made all day, and that was when someone pe- peel for reality my token, and I just was so tired after that long day that, and I would sack that token to Greater Garganon, 
And instead of letting me deal a bunch of damage to him, I sacked all the other tokens to Greater Gargnon, thinking that they were peel from reality. Just like one of those, you're exhausted and tired. But I think another thing, too, is, I mean, this is just a know-all for GPs. It's just make sure you bring good food, and you bring snacks, and you bring water. Because, I mean, the food that they have there is usually fried, French fries, haul food, which is not good. But just mentally being able to stay in it all day. Yeah, it's really tough. Um I was, at the end of my day, I was shot at Vegas, too. I mean, the day before, I didn't get much sleep, which was a problem. But. Coffee, snacks, water, cocaine. <laughs> East West Draftcast does not condone the use of narcotics at magic events. Brought to... Right. Magic nose candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> now... I'm gonna call it bullshit. You you made one mistake in a nine round tournament. One that he noticed, I'm sure. Okay, but I, I mean, my deck wasn't. I I mean, I didn't. I was pretty much a straightforward two color deck. So for me, it like I don't play the Hogan Dirtle decks as much. Yeah, but there's they, still plenty of mistakes to be made with a two color beatdown deck. There are, but I mean, all my plays were straightforward. I mean, I guess for when it comes down to it, a lot of the decisions I made were. Uh, do I play this card or do I play this card? You know, one or the other. And it's at the time. I don't. I don't know if you can call playing the wrong card a mistake because it's, it's a mistake. Of course you can. <laughs> well, but it, not if you don't know what it's in their hand or in their deck. Well, like I'm saying, like it might have. If you look three turns back and go, well, I wish I would have played this card because it could have kept me alive a turn longer. There's yeah, right, there's two that, different things. There's like hindsight mistakes where it's not necess- it wasn't necessarily the incorrect play with the knowledge known. But then there's other mistakes that are they look similar, but really you did make the mistake because you did have knowledge from previous games or something that you should have been playing around, blah blah blah. And you know, it might not seem like a mistake, but like with the knowledge you may have gathered through the round like it probably was one or just through playing the format or just through yeah knowing the knowing the meta game a little bit and saying okay this guy's playing blue white what could he have like if in, in modern masters that was probably what artifact aggro for the most part or just tempo or yeah just tempo you know like and and looking at it in that way saying okay if i had thought about what he could have played when i if i look three turns back maybe it was correct to not play this 3-3 and to play the 2-2 flyer instead, you know? But I guess it's a way, like, when looking back on those turns, it was either card was perfectly okay to play. Like, they were both the right route, so to speak. Sure. I mean, I mean but it's, I'm sure that throughout a day of a GP, you can't remember every single play. And every correct. Single well, and I mean, most of the time, like, thing. I feel like that's something, I mean, psychologically speaking, you're going to remember, you know, you're going to remember those, the... The, the ones that the fuck ups more than the, you know the times the where you that were really awesome where you top deck three cards in a row against Spencer at a GPT to be able to win. I mean, you're going to remember the screw ups more often, and th- that was generally the only one. Obviously, I probably made bad mistakes, but I mean, most of those would usually come down to those iffy mulligan hands, and that's I think, I think I mean, those I know are, exactly that was how Spencer I, lost his bubble match was on a hand that he should have mulligan. I yeah. lost my first match in the GP to a mulligan. Um, it was just an obvious moment. I'm still upset about it. <laughs> I do have to say, I think that is probably the hardest thing in Magic when oh, it comes absolutely. down to is knowing what hands are moving. I think it's harder, since it's a limited podcast, you know, with standard because you have to know the metagame and you have to know 
It gets harder in standard. I think I think it gets harder in standard because I, I agree. Oh, really? Based upon matchups, because you might have a hand that looks good, but if you think that, or if you if you know what your opponent is playing, like like your mulligan decision can vary a lot based upon the deck you're facing. Like a hand yeah. could be like very good against something, but very bad so against something else. I guess it's more like with constructed. There's more of a absolute correct decision in mulligans than there is in limited, and knowing that is a big part of the game. Is a bigger part of the game than limited. Well, yeah, I just think the decks in constructed are more focused. So you have like very, very, I don't know, centered in plans that you can or can't beat with certain hands. And knowing when to pitch those, I think it it's easier to learn. I think necessarily which which of those hands are bad in which matchups, uh, and I think that's where it is a little trickier and limited. Is where you're like, well, I have a hand that's probably bad against an aggro start. How aggro is my opponent? I don't really know. Like, was, yeah, even after a game, you might not really know. Right, because you only see so many cards out of a limited deck, and like limited just has a lot of variance between a. How the deck can play. It could either yeah. be aggressive or mid-range or control, and it could have all, all those elements in it in some capacity. Yeah, I think with mulligan decisions, you're just taking into your, your opponent's deck into account less so in limited than you would in constructed. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, and I think with sealed, more and more these days, people are building two decks, an aggro deck and a slow deck, and if they're on the play, they're switching to a completely different deck. I, yeah. s- I still think that's incorrect. <laughs> Most of the time. Aggro and seal? Or no, building Switching. two decks. Yeah. Switching. Really? I think it's a waste of time, and I think you have one best deck, that's the deck you should play. Unless the matchup is so extreme that it calls for a switch. Really? And I don't think that that happens very often. We should revisit that. I mean, okay. I mean, that was the Michael Jacob bubble match I lost in, ba- not Vegas, uh, Portland or a oh, way uh, back when GP Portland that was what that, M12 limited or something something that it was I mean it was whatever whatever GP where Delver was in it oh uh, that's in Estrada in Estrada oh so that was San wherever, Diego San Diego maybe then yeah I mean it pretty much was like he switched from a deck to an aggro deck and because of his switch I stomped him so he went back to his control deck when he was on the play. And the only, re- I mean, he turned one, flipped a Delver, and by the time, and he turned one, flipped it with Lost in the Mist, and by the time I could deal with it, I, he had five mana up, so he was able to counter my one removal spell against it. And, uh, again, it's just, you know, him switching decks, I don't necessarily, I think his other deck was actually just better against me, going on Greg's point. He had a better deck against me, but he was trying to play the I'm on the draw, I'm on the play matchup more than the actual deck against me. And I don't think that was the right call. But yeah, I mean, just learn it, like, knowing when to mulligan and those coin flip hands, are they really worth it? Because that's a lot of time you look at a hand and you're like... The two and five landers, two and, two and Exactly, the yeah. two and five lander, or even the, even the even the four landers, but four huge drops, you know? Or I think that's you, a mulligan. I think you mulligan. I mean, I, mean, I usually. guess... Usually. Usually, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's also the same thing, is that you have to know your curve. What if you're not curving out to three? So you're going to mull and get a, a single three drop and be... So I think the thing is you just really have to, like... Those coin flip ones are the ones that are... Half the time it's going to work out for you, half the time it's not. I mean, or I guess there's statistically a certain amount if you need mana or if you don't need mana. Right. Um, and, like... The one, the one big thing that my deck, when I did lose in, in Vegas to the Mulligan, was that, like, my deck was powerful enough and had enough, like, uh, two-for-ones or three-for-ones even, that I didn't, 
necessarily need a seven card hand to win. I had mold to five by the the game right before it, mold to five on the play and beat beat my opponent pretty handily because I had a, solid a very five. powerful deck, yeah. And, and yeah, my deck was just really, really good and I ended up with a seven card hand in game three that was iffy. It was, well, I have to draw the planes or my hand does not work. But I have this many planes in my deck and I think I can get there. And But if I don't draw the planes, I do nothing. Now, that just made no sense because I didn't need all seven cards to win anyway. Going down to six was very, like, not not a big deal for for my deck. And I just, I got blinders and then thought, like, well, you know, mulliganing is bad and yeah, mulliganing is not bad. Mulliganing is actually pretty good. awesome. Yeah, generally like, good. It's like, to be able to get rid of a, a mediocre hand it's like and try to get a battle of fortune for zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think for me, I always see the the Jeff situation. I just need one of this coming in. Like I have three forests in my hand. I have three forests in my hand, and I'm like, I have nine or ten swamps, and I need that one swamp to make this hand go off. But that's not statistically in your favor to draw a swamp all, at yeah. all. But you, I feel like you're just convinced in your head, like, I have an okay, like, five drop with green, but I have all my low drops with black, like, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna, you know, I'm probably gonna draw that swamp, and you never do. Like, I, I mean, and I'm learning a lot of that from Magic Online, just playing a lot of drafts, is that that's when those situations are very apparent, you're just sitting there like, I need to draw this one color. And again, you get skewed, because the one time you do, you're like, oh, this, you know, it worked out for me, but you, you don't mathematically go back and look at it and say, it, it mathematically was only a 30% chance. Yeah, so. if that. Shut up, Jason! <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just be quiet. <laughs> you can talk. Um, sorry. Edit all that shit out, I guess. No, that's fine. Like, no, yeah, edit all Russell talking out. I know. I agree. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So we just finished talking to Russell, which we edited out. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Spencer, you haven't joined us yet. Fire dance. <laughs> Spencer's gonna perform a spiritual fire dance for us right now. Fire First time ever on the, on the podcast. Thank god this is radio, no one can see it. Jeff, Jeff yeah. keep in mind, we got vegetarian food tonight. So That's fine. Don't let it out. Keep your stomach open. Don't eat all those pretzels. Okay, no problem. Welcome to the rectangular table, Mr. Harris. It's good to be at this table that is also. And welcome back to America. Yeah, yeah. It's you're, look, you're looking very tan. Looking, being very tan. I was down in the land of Mexico, very far away, distant land, <laughs> different from our own. Everyone there speaks English as well. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. Got Mono's Rumors Revenge for a couple of days. That wasn't fun. Really? Yeah. Both my girlfriend That's and I did. Par for the course, with Spencer Harris. You don't you you don't think about the ice and the margaritas. <laughs> you don't. You just drink those. That's what always, those. the ice is what gets you. The ice is always what gets you. To yeah. Be fair, Spencer gets diarrhea in America all the time. <laughs> Mono's Rumors Revenge is a special kind. If you, if you it's a special kind of diarrhea. If you don't if you don't go to Mexico and you're not familiar with Mono's Rumors Revenge, it's about drinking the water there, and it is a special kind of diarrhea. Let me assure you. <laughs> It strikes the all warning. of the liquid out of your body, including it's like yeah. casting. <laughs> what is it? Did you redo apocalypse chime for food in your stomach? You're just raging river, raging river <laughs> out of your butthole. <laughs> East West <rather. laughs> Anyway, so, may not be suitable for all listeners. We are here to talk about 
Magic New Year's resolutions. Do you have one, Spencer? Uh, I hadn't really thought about that too much, but I guess after hearing you guys talk about mulligans, one of my resolutions would be to, uh, I would say mulligan more, because I'm a pretty loose mulliganer. Like, I don't, I, I keep pretty bad hands. I know they're bad too. Like, I know I have a bunch of five drops and four drops and no business early. YOLO! I said, yeah, fuck it, this guy's, this, this, this guy's gonna be slow. Just look at this guy. I <laughs> no idea who he is, no idea what the deck he's playing. <laughs> he's gonna be slow. I'll just keep this handful of five drops. And I don't really have any discipline when it comes to mulliganing, and I think that's uh, a pretty easy step I can make to becoming a better Magic player. Do you think part of it is that when you keep a hand that's bad, or you keep a hand that doesn't get there, and could easily not get there, and then when you don't, you can kind of blame your loss on that hand? Yes. And that, you It's know, exactly like, what it is. You're like, well, I had a bad hand. Oh, well. Yeah. Instead of like, well, I should have mulliganed. But you don't think about it that way because you... It's like kind of having this like little contingency at, at asterisk on your hand that says, if I lose this game, it's because his hand is bad, not because I'm bad. Yeah, but it is because you're bad, because you should have mulliganed. Yeah, no, it's true. There was... Spencer, it's because you're bad. No, I mean, no, I go through some pretty strict steps to like... I mean, it might sound like I'm being a little arrogant, but I try not to make those sort of excuses for myself when I... Uh, you know, if something bad happens or I lose the game, I try to think of what actually happened instead of saying, oh, I got bad luck, I got mana mm-hmm. flooded, mana screwed. Sometimes that happens, but to be fair, I don't ever really say I had a bad hand. I always tell myself, I, I probably should have mulliganed. I'm stupid for not mulliganing. That's good. I mean, I read, I don't know who wrote this or where it was, but an article a while ago about how people blame their losses on bad luck or bad beats or somehow. And there's a lot of little things you can do to become a magic player and try to, you know, mitigate as many times as that can possibly happen. So I've been pretty conscious to whining, complaining, griping about stuff like that a lot and having a bad hand and bad luck of the draw. So, you know, I will say that I don't, I don't really say that a lot. I don't really blame my losses on yeah. having bad hands and not mulliganing. I would say that it's pretty rare for a loss to be straight up bad luck because the, the mistake might not have happened in the game. It might have happened in the draft. But somewhere along the road, you made the mistake that lost you that game, generally. Sometimes it really can be just awful luck. But... It's not that common. It's less common than people think. I'm yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's certainly possible, but you're right. It is less common than people give it credit for. It. Right. And a lot of times, you could have won games that you lost because of quote-unquote bad luck if you just pay a little more closer attention or draft a little bit better or had a little more forethought, you know? Right. Yeah, if you try to find those mistakes, if you actively look for them, it's just going to make you better. Right. Because when you do start blaming it on other things, like even if it was bad luck... It's almost like you're better off trying to, just assuming that it wasn't, you know, and just be like, oh, what could I have done differently yeah. so that... that you'll, yeah, you'll never grow. If you you're, not gonna get, you're not going to get better bad on bad luck. You're going to get better on finding mistakes and your faults yeah. and, re- and rectifying them. That being said, I think I'm a pretty pessimistic mulliganer. I always think that, like, not, Greg was saying, and you guys overheard this, that it's like a free wheel of fortune. That's a good way to look at it. I always think, I'm going to get six cards. It's definitely going to be shittier than this mediocre seven-card hand. I'm not going to do it. This is, this is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the more you play and the better you get at drafting and, like, building quality decks, the more mulliganing is good for you in the sense that, like, you might still, you might be getting one fewer card, but if your deck is generally good and your hand is borderline, it's like, you could just get a better six a lot of the time. Right. And I think that's, it's easy to be pessimistic and say, like, oh, I'm probably just, like, the next hand will be worse, mostly because it's going to have one less card in it, whereas... What you really need to be saying is like, oh, like, 
I want a better hand than this. How am I going to do that? Oh, I can mulligan it. You know? Yeah. Like, I can just make that happen. Yeah, it's often really easy to see, too, when you have seven cards, and one of them just straight up does nothing. Yeah. It's, it's like, like mul- oh, my mulligan already. Mulligan. Are these six cards any good? Yeah. If they're not great, get rid of them. Ship it. Yeah. It's something you see the better Magic players do a lot, is mulligan hands that, you know, there's pretty obvious hands that you have no mana, or you have all mana, or the wrong color mana. I mean, those are pretty obvious mulligans, but the, the good Magic players know when to take that calculated risk to think that this hand is suboptimal. I have a decent enough chance of getting a, a more optimized hand with pitching a bat, getting six cards. I think that's a really skilled thing to do. Totally. And, like, when you're going to game two or three and you know your opponent's deck a little bit, to know, like, whether or not your hand, even if it looks good or okay, if it can get there. Like, yeah. my opponent's deck is just way better than mine. This hand is just okay. Yeah. I have to ship it. Or, like, I have to roll the dice or I'm just not getting there. I think a lot of, yeah, that's a good point. A lot of what I think mulliganing more will help you to do as well is see how a four-card or five-card hand can win. <laughs> like, you help, you have to mulligan because otherwise you'll never learn that that's even possible. You just kind of assume that it isn't, and that's one of those fears. It's like, oh, if I go to five, I definitely can't win. Like, five on the play, oh, there's no way I'm winning. But, like, once you finally do make that mulligan to five and you win that game because of the mulligan you made, like, you'd be like, holy shit, that worked. Like, I I need to do this more, you know? Yeah. I mean, just think of all the all the games you end with cards in hand. Yeah. You If you end a game with two or three cards in hand, like, you mold the four or five. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, you had more choices throughout the game, so that helped. But still, like, you didn't right. use all your cards, so like, you could have done it with five. Ryan Hogan making oh a drink. Oh my god! What's what's on the what's on tap, bartender? Whiskey drink. A whiskey drink. A whiskey drink. A vodka drink. A soda drink. <laughs> Chumba Wumba acapella. Chumba podcasting with twelve people. Chumba. All right, it's becoming a disaster. Uh, Ryan Hogan, you have not given us your yeah. magic New Year's Hot resolution. Seat. Hot seat. Hot seat. Oh, Courtney, have a seat. <laughs> okay, my my wife my wife wants to give a uh, podcast New Year's resolution. Courtney and begin. Uh, we were we were talking about collecting foil cards because they're shiniest. That's a pretty good one. Wait, for the listeners, who's we? Oh, Lindsay and Courtney. Lindsay, yeah. this is... Because, you know, when you play Magic, it's all about looking your best. <laughs> when your deck is pretty, that means you've won automatically. Even if you lose, you still win. It's strange how many Magic players actually believe that. It's true. It's Just fact. walk in, lay down your shiny cards, and boom. Awesome. You're a winner. Done. <laughs> That's... Well, also more narwhals. More narwhals. That's... But shiny. Shiny Party foul. Party foul. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, you want to get Sarah off. to get on the no, phone? No. Sarah, what, who Put is her it? On speaker. <laughs> there's, there's no speakerphone on the podcast. Hogan. Okay. Ryan Hogan. Have a I'm, seat, sir. I was discharged. <laughs> <laughs> Dishonorably <laughs> discharged. Dishonorably, indeed. It's okay. All right. How much, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was uh, not Greg, for the Greg rabbits. Me and the, uh, I, you guys I, already I, talked about that. Well, no, we didn't. No. Why don't you lay it all on the line and tell them how bad you are at this game? Okay, not subjective at all. But. <laughs> no, um, no, I mean, no. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan did get progenitus into play yeah, for during a second. The- <laughs> I would like to recognize Ryan Hogan. We just chaos drafted 
every pack was from a different set. Not every blo different block, but but generally a different set. The synergies are really hard to find and come by. Ryan Hogan drafted a deck that not only could play Progenitus, but that was essentially the only way he wins the game. <laughs> and he got times. into the finals. How many times did the progenit did Progenitus make it into play? All five wins. Five times. Wow. Yep. In a 40-card draft deck. Let that soak in, listeners. <laughs> All right. This is a man of great wisdom here. I don't know how the fuck he came up with that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Now we're yeah, Can we get a Magic New Year's resolution? Um, yeah. New Year's resolution. Uh, you guys covered mulliganing more. I think that's generally the it's direction just a that I go in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really optimistic with opening hands and believe that it'll always get there. So that's something I've already worked on. But for this year, let's see, a magic resolution. Not be drunk at GP Sacramento. That'll be <laughs> <laughs> the first More California GP where I haven't been. That is a tall <laughs> take order. It, yeah, <laughs> take it a little loose that. at a time. Yeah, these, uh, for those of you that have been to them, the Oakland GPs are usually held at the convention center. That is a stone's throw from... One of the better breweries in Oakland, so <laughs> it is kind of par for the course for some of the some of the guys to go over there in between rounds. Get a little sticks for better or worse. Have, have some Most strategy weird. sessions. Yeah, some liquid confidence for your next round. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. A real resolution. Um, I mean, top not eight the GP. Top eight of GP. Um, been close enough before, but I would like to actually make that happen, and I'll have at least about two or three cracks at it this year. Hopefully more. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. What do you think it's going to take to to top eight one? Um, well, I don't think I can play any more Magic than I already do. <laughs> well, I, I got a question for uh, you, Ryan. Staying single for a while? Because <laughs> that could waste some time. Yeah. No, but something I, I play, most of my Magic that I play, it, not most, but a lot of it is with Ryan Hogan online. And I know that he... You like to have fun when you draft more than... Yeah, more than winning. More than win. Yes. Do you think that's hurting your overall game? Like when when it comes it to GP intent, time, I guess. When know. it comes to GP time, are are you finding that you see the cards that look like more fun, and you're like, well, I should figure out a way to do this because I'm this is the kind of deck I'm used to playing. Definitely not. Um, no, definitely not into GP. What I consider drafting or making the deck that's more fun. I think I've. Like most people, you actually have a predilection to do something that's fun, of course. So Surprise. if what is, yeah, <laughs> if what is fun to me I think is good and I get by with, then I'm sure I'll gravitate towards those. I mean, I certainly gravitate towards colors, as I'm sure most people do. Um, obviously in the limited format, you know, certain sets can just be completely, or half colors are completely unplayable. So, just being said, I haven't encountered that too recently. But, uh, but yeah, I would say it's, it's definitely, it's definitely hurt my game. At times when, you know, I like Blacks and Wayne competitive, where sometimes, you know, Nathan Holiday or Greg is in the uh, the finals again. I'm like, ah, really wish I was playing them, but I drafted this ridiculous 1-2-2-1 one, two, two, one deck. Because I was just trying to have fun, but now I really want to you know, right, get so competitive maybe and beat my, my Your side. game isn't improving as fast because you're not playing the opponents that you should be playing. Uh, no, 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 it's not so much as that I'm not playing the opponent that I want to play, so much as... Um, every single match I ever play with, you know, Greg and Nathan in particular, of all the, of the players in Santa Cruz, I think they're the two best players that I get to play with. 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, any opportunity to play them and to play them at higher stakes yeah. is, I think, the best opportunity that any player that wants to get better should go for. But, um, I mean, there's something to be said for just drafting not the most competitive deck, because the most competitive deck can be easy to pilot. <laughs> it's just drafting something that's a bit more complicated, so that it's actually challenging you and will make you better in the future with easier decks, because you've already you know, played the game on hard mode, essentially. Not playing the most competitive deck, but maybe playing the most skill intensive deck. But does that take away does that take away from the skill of knowing how to draft and pilot the easy decks, do you think? That's I'm that, sure to yeah, I'm sure to some extent. Just for like if you're really unfamiliar with an archetype. Yeah. Especially when it's particular to a set, then yeah, if you're only used to drafting one style of deck or one color and then you're presented with what's gonna be my case or our case, a sealed pool that is not conducive to what you like to draft or play, then yeah. I'm sure I'll be at a a disadvantage there, but I have spent a lot of time playing Theros. <laughs> at very at the very least for Sacramento. I feel good about anything that I'd be presented with. Sure. Will that one have any the new set won't be out for before that one, will it? No, no. next okay. week. Just straight or two weeks Straight after. Theros for GP yeah. Sac. Yeah. Okay. We've seen it. We know what to do. I need to play more Theros. I'm like way behind. Yeah. Yeah, how much practice did you have before you, um, day two? The last time was that two hours <laughs> was, worth of practice? That was, was Oklahoma City, but it, it was like new for everybody, or not everybody, but it was new for most people at that point. Like, that's a lot of my problem, I think, when it comes to, um, like I'm very good in the beginning of a format. I, cause I, my card evaluation skills are really strong, yeah. and I'm good at just, I, I know how to pilot like a, a good typical magic deck, um, like drafting a good curve identifying powerful spells and creatures and, and making that work. Uh, after the set's been out for a while and kind of like the hive mind of Magic, like the general consensus of players has kind of all improved to a certain level is when it gets harder for me because I don't have that just kind of inherent, like early on advantage because you everybody else is caught up a little bit. Okay, you do have the, the earliest advantage because you have a very... Broad knowledge of the game, right? like a good foundation for how right. to draft and how to play limited formats. But yes. the nuanced knowledge that comes, comes with over playing a know, format over and over and over again. That's what I'm worried about for Sacramento. Yeah, right. Like Midnight Guard is obviously better than Shuffle Guard. Instrad deck ascension block. Still wrong about that. <laughs> a card that doesn't actually even have vigilance. <laughs> right. I didn't really mean to get into the argument. Yeah. <laughs> well. That's a good one though. I like the uh, the top eight of GP. That's pretty much where I'm at. I yeah. want, that's that's the next. Step. That's the next to the tour now, right? Top eight or any size of GP? I think top right four. Well, top four of any, but now it's more like, especially for the bigger GPs in Sacramento, Philly. Those are going to be huge. It, okay. It could even go top more than that. I think. I thought like, it was top four get flights and top eight get in now. Uh, okay. Anyway, I might have heard wrong. Regardless, there's there's one is still top eight. Right, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get back. Yeah, see at the top of the. You got some Sacramento. buys for Sacramento. Uh, some what? You got some buys. Yeah, yeah, I got some buys the other day. So I play no sanctioned tournaments. Really, I have to. <laughs> you have, have to, to win show GPTs. GPTs or win GPs in order to get them. Yeah, uh, yeah, we had a good one. Good one the other day. And Spencer played Spencer, who was just on here in the top, uh, or in the finals. That is, him and John and I made the top eight. That was a good competition. Really yeah. good day, well-run tournament. Got so, two buys now. So. I'm just saying, I expect the top eight out of you. Yeah, we got two buys. Yeah, much I mean there. that's <laughs> at least halfway. It's only two buys. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, they two stopped buys doing now and, three. Yeah, three for 
a certain level of pro, right? What right. is it when you're gold? Yeah. I'm like, like the worst semi-competitive magic player. <laughs> I like don't know any of like the rules or what's what actually happens. Like, is that set gonna be out by then? I don't know. I'll just show up. <laughs> to and be play. fair, I didn't know until I talked to Spencer about this. Okay, well that's good to know. Still, two buys is better than none, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna go try to get mine this weekend at a GPT. What do you think of that? Of, of them uh, only giving two buys out now. I think that's fine. I think they give out too many buys in general. Uh-huh. I think the buys are dumb. I'd rather, I because I'd rather see those good players have to play the first couple rounds. To be honest, to, um, Wizards wants those players in the top. Right, eight. and that's why they do it. Like, yeah. but um, they might not necessarily be putting the best limited decks and the best limited players in to day two. I mean, typically they are. Like the pro players are that They're much good. better than yeah. most other people, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame sometimes to me that someone who may have, I don't know, like if LSV, for example, had opened up just an awful pool or something, but he had three buys and only had to go 3-3 three, three the rest of the day versus going X2 or, or whatever, yeah. I should four say 3-3, 4-2, three, three, yeah. like going 4-2 was a lot easier than going... Seven two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Easier. So uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something to be said about that. But I, I mean, I'm nitpicking. It doesn't really bother me. But um, I, I, anything that results in them giving out fewer buys is fine with me. <laughs> I think buys are kind of weird. But I mean, I don't really care. Yeah, they have a good incentive. I with that said, I want them. Shit. I want as many buys as I can get. <laughs> um, of course. And I mean, with good reason. That's how. That's how you get those easy day twos. <laughs> um, well, I want to wrap this up and keep it a short one because I don't want to have to edit a whole lot. That's although, fine. No, uh, don't edit this. This is just gold. don't edit a single second. It's a bunch of gold. Yeah. But uh, thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, happy New Year, listeners. We'll um, we'll catch you in 2014. Yeah. Do you want to give the website and stuff? Nah. All right. Screw that. Figure it out, idiots. <laughs> Check the show notes. Draftcast out.